0: We're going to be in First Samuel, chapter fourteen, and you know, Sam uh, Saul uh, is really a fascinating story about Saul. Many I was going to look today and I forgot, but many years ago, on a Wednesday night, I did a Wednesday night series on the life of the king Saul, and he's a fascinating person, really. And in the introduction here in your lesson, it just says that he. He had a good beginning. Just to refresh our memory a little bit, you know, God didn't, God wanted to be the king. They had never had a king. They didn't know what it was like to have a king. And God had led his people through the patriarchs, through Abraham and and Isaac and Jacob, and, and Joseph was a leader when they were... Uh, in Egypt, and afterwards, and they, so they had, Moses then led them, and so they had these leaders, but they never had a king. But they wanted a king, and so even though God didn't wanted to be their king, He gave them a king, and Saul was the one. And Saul was a Saul was God's choice. It's important to remember that. And uh, he began good. He was remember he. Uh, when Samuel told him that he was going to be the king, he's, he caught, considered himself the least of all the tribes, came from Benjamin, he was very humble and when they came to his inauguration, they was going to present him they couldn't find him, he was hiding among the stuff because he didn't feel qualified, he was very humble about his beginning but that's, but that's not going to stay, this humility just before we get into 14 remi- just a refresher and Chapter 13, in verse 13, um, Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God which commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. If you'd have just done what you were told to do. He was supposed to wait on Samuel to arrive. He didn't wait. He got impatient. He got afraid. So he offered a sacrifice. And so verse 14 says, "But, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. So so this is a pattern of instability of of Saul, of impatience. And today we're in chapter 14, but next week, chapter 15 is is this the the final straw. And that's when God told through Samuel, God told Saul to destroy the Amalekites and kill everybody and wipe out all their livestock and and Saul didn't take it serious. He kind of partially obeyed. And that's, that's next week's lesson. So, so you, you see this Saul, he, he has a quick rise to prominence and fame, but it, it was short-lived, only a matter of a few years until he is, he's proven himself to be dis, unqualified. So let's begin reading in chapter 14 and verse 1. Now it came to pass upon a day, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. So we're going to talk some about Jonathan today. And here Jonathan is saying to his young man that bare his armor, Let's. Let's attack the Philistines, this garrison of the Philistines. But he didn't tell his father about it. Verse 2, And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. So, So you get a real contrast between Saul and his son, Jonathan. Saul is tarrying under the pomegranate tree, my grandparents on my dad's side had a large pomegranate tree behind their house. You don't see those. Are there pomegranates around here at all? I, I've never seen one here. So anyway, just in case you're interested. But, and uh, so Saul is tarrying. He's waiting. He's not. But, but Jonathan, on the other hand, is attacking. Let's read down. Uh, look in verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us... Go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, referring to the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, unto Jonathan, do all that is in thine heart, turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So this is really the beginning, really, it's just a single attack, a military exercise that's going to have great, great uh, implications and ramifications. So we're getting, look at our lesson, uh, we have Jonathan's faith and bravery, and if you're filling in the blanks, you can follow along there. So Jonathan on his own, without telling his dad, he, he devises this attack against the Philistines and recruited his armor bearer. Saying to him, and I love this language in verse 6. It may be that the Lord will work for us. He wasn't counting on himself. Jonathan wasn't depending on himself. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. You know, I just want to emphasize a a little... uh, Small word in verse one of chapter fourteen, Jonathan said, "Come and let us." Let us. It wasn't about just him. And in verse six, "Come and let us." Verse six. And then it may be the Lord will work for us. So it was like a teamwork, a team venture. And he was counting on the Lord, but he was also working together as a team member. So, so Jonathan, in the, in the last part of your note, there, small letter B, the armor bearer pledged his support. He said, "I'm with you." I am with thee according to thy heart. So we have Jonathan and his armor bearer, two men, and they are uh, intending to attack a garrison of the Philistines. So let's begin reading in verse 8, and we're going to just see his strategy. Then said Jonathan, this is what we're going to do. Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. The place was micmash. It was really a... A, a narrow place between two large rocks, and um, I, I, just, I just want to say this because uh, it's on my mind. Well, my, the second time my wife and I were in Israel, we were on a tour where we had some flexibility. the guy, The guy that was our guide was a, in, was not a tour an Israeli. He was a uh, Independent Baptist preacher who had served in Israel, so. We had some flexibility, so there are two places I asked him to go that were not on our on our itinerary, and we didn't see the first time. One of them was Chilo, which happens to be, I think, the most, maybe the most significant place that we've ever been in Israel for me personally. The other one was Micmash. I said I'd love to find those two jagged rocks, and we never. He he said, "Let's try," but we never did find that. We got close, I think, but we never did find it. So anyway. Jonathan says we're going to pass over unto these men, in verse 8, and we will discover ourselves unto them. We're going to to let them see us or hear us. And and if they say unto us, tarry until we come to you. If the enemy says, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go unto them. Verse 10, but if they say, if the enemy says, come up unto us, then we'll go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. They're kind of mocking them, the Philistines are. These Hebrews are finally coming out of hiding. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor-bearer and says, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. So that's their strategy, and the last part of number C there, the Philistines told them to come up, and Jonathan took this as a promise of victory. Now, I think it's important to make this observation, small letter D on your notes, I wouldn't want a person to hear this and say, well, that's a good strategy for me to always find out what God's will is. I'm just going to ask him for a sign. You know, I'm going to... uh, In times in the Bible, it worked. If God's going to do this, then I... I, And it worked for him. But we have other ways, biblical ways, scriptural ways, to determine what God's will is. And the most important one is by reading his word. You know, God's will is revealed... In his word, and of course also getting advice or counsel from godly leaders in other ways. So, so I don't recommend this as a plan to discover God's will, but on small letter E, we can be encouraged by his faith. I mean, Jonathan was a man of bold faith. He was a man of great faith and confidence in the Lord. He wasn't an arrogant man. He didn't believe that they could conquer this garrison on their own, but he believed that God would help them. And I just want to make a a point here because this is an important lesson. And that is, you know, we can, our faith can be increased or helped by seeing what God does through other people. The armor bearer's faith was encouraged by Jonathan's faith. And I make this note because I think it's important. You know, we read Bible stories. We read this story, for instance. Or if we read biographies of, and I like to read biographies of missionaries or pastors or men of God, or even hear testimonies, and it helps strengthen our faith. I, I really, I really encourage, I would encourage you to make that a part of your routine periodically to read some good book. And we were, my wife and I were traveling when we went to, I think it was to Hawaii, I read a, a little book, not a little book, it was several, a couple hundred pages, but it was a book about outstanding leaders. Uh, of times gone by, some in the Bible, but many of them just men of history that God used in a great way. And they weren't always, you know, didn't dot every I and cross every T exactly like I might or we might doctrinally, but I'm encouraged by their faith. And so just take that as a, we can grow by the faith of others or by watching the faith of others. Now let's see what happens. Verse 13, and Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men. This is a very descriptive uh, statement about where they were. Within, as it were, a half acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. I'm assuming that's plow in a day, a yoke of oxen. So in a small area, like a plateau I'm sure that they went up to, they killed 20 men. So God gave them this great victory. Now in F there at the bottom, the last statement in it said, this was an amazing victory. But more importantly, it spawned a series of events. Things began to happen that really um, was more than just incidental. It was, these were major things. And let's look in verse 15 and read that. Verse 15, now this is after this attack. It says, and there was a trembling in the host. Now they, they fought, they, they killed 20 men. And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, that's a word that was introduced a chapter before about the Philistines, they also trembled, and the earth quaked, for it was a very great trembling. So there's a lot in that verse, and and I'm not going to begin to think that I know everything that's in it, because I believe god was shaking things up it was just it was a on one hand it was a minor it was a minor victory 20 people were killed but it it terrified people and and when it says the earth quaked i believe that means there was really an earthquake there was god was god was really doing some things in an incredible way so that's gee there was a great earthquake and i believe it was an earthquake and just notice some of the, how things begin to unfold or maybe even unravel. Verse 16, and the watchman of Saul in Gibeah. Remember Saul is under the pomegranate tree, tarrying. The watchman of Saul in Gibeah looked, Gibeah, Benjamin looked, and behold, the, the multitude, they're looking at these, this massive army, the multitude melted away and they went on beating down one another. They're turning against each other. There's a word that uh, in the Bible, and it's used here later in this chapter, but it's found several other places in the Bible, it's called discomfort. And the word discomfiture or discomforting or discomfort was not just, it was troubling, but confusing also. It, it, the, the, the most modern terminology I could think of is the fog of battle. And what's happening is there's the earthquake, people are turning on each other the enemies are actually killing one another and we see this other places in the Bible and so that's what that's saying in Saul's Saul's watchman saw this taking place in verse 16 then in verse 17 then said Saul unto the people that were with him number now and see who has gone from us he don't even know who instigated this battle and when they had numbered, they took a roll, pole, head count, whatever. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And so, again, things are just really starting to unfold, and things are starting to happen in uh, verse 18 and 19. I don't say anything about this in the note because we, you know, to get through a whole chapter. and We don't have to get through a chapter every week, but I, but it but it helps to to keep everything that's happening kind of together. But let's look, look at verse 18 and 19. And Saul said to Ahimeon, Ahime, which is a priest, I'm assuming, bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. So they've got, the, they've got the ark of the covenant with them. Verse 19 says, And it came to pass while Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thy hand. Now, now, what is, what is happening here? Well, um, the priest, the Ark of the Covenant was there, and the priest was there, and a part of the uh, priest's attire was the breastplate of judgment. And, and you'd have to read about that over in the Old Testament. But inside the breastplate of judgment was like a couple of rocks, the Urim and Thummim. I'm sure you've read about that before. And that was a way that they would get counsel from God. They would ask the priest. The priest would um, determine, should we go or should we not go? And so here Saul, we're seeing a glimpse of Saul's spirituality. He's saying, let's talk to the priest, and we'll see if we should should go. So look what it says in verse 18. He, He said, bring the ark of God. And then verse 19 says... The noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on increased, and Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thy hand. In other words, we don't have time to, we don't have time to get a decision. We've got, we've got to do something. So there again, you see this nature of Saul. Let's seek God. I don't have time to wait for an answer. And uh, it's, it's a really a bad, it's a bad trend, a tendency in his life. So anyway, in verse uh, 20... It says, and Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to battle. And behold, here's this another statement about their discomfiture. Every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture. And so it's confusing, it's chaos, and it's because God is really doing something. And so, verse 21 moreover, just look in verse 21 and 22, more of the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. So while this is happening, people are being defeated. The Philistines are turning against each other. And the Hebrews, Jewish people that were with the Philistines, turned and came back to join up with Saul and the Israelites. Look at verse 22. Likewise also... Or like, excuse me. likewise all the men of Israel which had hid themselves we read about this in chapter 13, all the men which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim when they heard that the Philistines fled then even they also followed hard after them to battle so now the Israelites army is growing, the people who had been with the the Philistines are coming on board, those that have been hiding are coming on board, and verse 23 is a great testimony. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth Haven. So this is a great victory. And uh, again, it it all started with Jonathan's faith and him being willing to say, I'm going to step out. And, And I, just a personal kind of application of how the faith and actions of one person can lead to other victories. And a question, have you ever been encouraged to step out because of another person's faith? Uh, and I think, I think we have been. Maybe you could even think of something. You know, maybe you see someone else that's witnessing and it kind of emboldens you or encourages you to witness. Or maybe even something as simple as you see someone else go to the altar and pray and you think, you know, I could maybe maybe God would have me to do that. Yes, you, you know, and so it's really worth thinking about because look in the middle of that small letter I, because I think it's an important point, we may be waiting on somebody else to act while God and others are waiting on us. Saul was the person, I mean Samuel excuse me, Jonathan was the person. Jonathan's faith is what started all these String of victories, because one person was willing to get out of his comfort zone, to begin to launch an attack, and then and, and a lot of things happened. Yes, they had a victory, but then God began to turn their enemies against each other, they began to kill each other. Jews who had been with the Philistines began to come back with uh Saul's army, those that had been hiding in caves. We're now encouraged to come join the army. You know, you see all these things are happening, and it all started with one person, and God has really blessed that. Now, Saul is going to make a do something that actually hindered his men, and uh, that begins in verse twenty-four. And the men of Israel were distressed that day, for Saul had adjured the people, saying. Cursed be the man that eateth any food until evening, that I may be avenged on mine enemies. So none of the people tasted any food. Now, if we didn't have the rest of the story, we'd wonder about that statement. Was Saul Saul right? But I believe it was a rash decision, and it was really kind of a selfish decision. He hadn't done hardly anything. But he says that I may be avenged of mine enemies, you know. And they're having victories, one victory after another. Jonathan had a victory, and then the people are having victories. And I, I wonder if maybe the victory kind of hadn't gone to his.